final hour, fair morning show, off night tonight for the Blue Jays. So we figured who better to talk to coming off a great weekend and to just bring, you know, positivity and sunshine into your Monday morning. My friend and yours, Jeff Blair. Blair, how's it going? Doing well, guys. How are you? We're doing well. Uh, You know, even even I can't find something. Well, I mean, I could if I really tried find something to complain about. But Blue Jays sweep the weekend away. Uh, You know, I was setting up the show saying the weekend starts with the possibility of a a two-run shot, I think, by Gabe Moreno in the seventh inning that would have given the Diamondbacks a lead and possibly a win. And uh, the team charges back, and they never really looked back. Uh, It is amazing how a weekend sweep could kind of change not so much for the team, but how it feels around them. I mean, you look at where they're at in the wild card standings right now. You look at the gap they built up between them and the Yankees. And uh, it, it's amazing what a, what a three game sweep can do for you. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it's fr- from one point of view, I think the fact that they were able to sweep the diamondbacks, a team outside the division probably gives people a lot of hope because as we've talked about, this team has not played well within the division this year. So if you're not going to have success within the division, the very least you can do is have success outside the division. And for whatever reason, um, they you know they are they are beasts when they're not when they're not facing teams in the AL East. And you're right, it is remarkable how I mean, even just think of if, if the Jays had had taken two of three games, or you know as you mentioned, if if they'd taken one of three games, I mean the dialogue this morning around this team would be would be considerably different. Yet um, here we are; uh, they're in a better spot than they were a couple of weeks ago. The division—I don't know if I'd say it's coming back to the Jays, but certainly we've gone from saying there's no chance in hell of the Jays uh, catching the Rays to maybe needing to readjust things a bit. They're still behind them, and they've still got the Orioles in front of the Rays. But the Rays have shown signs in the past six weeks of maybe sort of coming back to earth a little bit. And I think to me, it it, it really it sets up the trade deadline. You know, I mm-hmm. you look at the, the, the teams in this division. I mean, Brian Cashman was pretty clear a couple of days ago when he was on SiriusXM that he's going to be active in the trade market. Uh, you know that the Rays are going to do something, and the Orioles are kind of the, you know, they're they're the team everybody's waiting for right now. They've got they've got more prospects than anybody else to deal. Their payroll is manageable. They lose a ton of guys at the end of this year, and it it seems as if every young player they bring up, you know, if he isn't a star, he certainly contributes to a win. So it's. Uh, this may be one of those trade deadlines where the the team whose general manager wins the deadline ends up winning the division and ultimately going the farthest uh, in the postseason. So I have a really, you know, huge theory here on why the Jays have a really tough time in their division, Jeff. And maybe it's the fact that the division is absurdly good and that the last place team is in there's six games above 500. I know the AL East is really good, but this year it's a little bit unprecedented how good it actually is. Like it's remarkable that the last place team is above is six games above 500. They'd be leading the Central by how many how many games? They'd be close mm-hmm. to the lead in the in the West. It's just it's a really really tough division, and I think you can't give the Jays a break for how bad they've been. But it is a bit of an explanation. It's been a really tough one this year. Yeah, and. You know, there's also a lot of similarity and a lot of familiarity uh, between the Jays and other teams. You know, you look at this lineup. Um, 
it's been together for what now for the most part four years maybe mm-hmm. longer than that uh, the new wrinkle if you want to call the new wrinkle is Kevin Kiermaier everybody in the division knows Kevin Kiermaier uh, Brandon Belt yeah I mean what do you need to know about Brandon Belt he's going to take seven pitches and draw a walk mm-hmm. uh, and I, I I think that that may be part of it with the Blue Jays is there's just there's such a familiarity now within the division you know even you look at their pitchers Kevin Gossman's a guy who came back to this division but he used to be in the AL East so I think maybe that that's that's part of the issue here as well that the Jays are a little too well known by their opponents and that's why I think at the trade deadline you you have to do something to change the complexion of this lineup and you know Brian Cashman used a phrase a couple of days ago that I think applies to the Blue Jays he said you know we would like to add somebody who is an everyday contributor to the lineup and I think that's what the Jays have to be looking at somebody who and that doesn't mean that it's you know it's going to be a guy who's going to come in and be your cleanup hitter but somebody who can come in and, and contribute on an everyday basis kind of what the Atlanta Braves did a couple of years ago when they went to the World Series and made all these acquisitions at the trade deadline people scratching their head and going what's Alex up to well what Alex Anthopoulos did was he took a lineup that was kind of predictable and put in a bunch of guys with different strengths. And that's not just a matter of handedness. It's guys who handle inside pitches, guys who are great handling outside pitches, guys who murder off-speed pitches, and put a lineup together which was essentially impossible to game plan for because, you know, you you just put so much... You put a lineup together that requires so much information to... You know, to figure out ways to attack, you complicate things. And I think that's what the Jays, uh, ultimately, what the Jays would like to do. So I think I think naturally the, the biggest question of that is then where, you know, and I understand it's not necessarily going to be a guy who is just to pick a position, your second baseman every day, not that you'd want to get rid of whip, but when you kind of go around the lineup, you know, every guy on this team to a certain extent is there for a reason. I mean, Matt Chapman's player of the month. We know what he's capable of. They just rebuilt the outfit field you've loved what you got out of Maryfield Bichette's not going anywhere and then you got Vladdy and Belt as your as your your first baseman DH types where do you ideally kind of see that individual fitting in because I think that's the problem a lot of people have is that yes for sure make an improvement but where do you think would make the most sense I mean I think you start with with Brandon Belt um surely you can do better uh in terms of a middle of the order hitter uh, you know, and you can have a, you can have, frankly, you can have two every, you can get two guys to 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 be a DH, or you can get a righty that you can platoon with, with Brandon Belt as a DH. Uh, you know, I think maybe you look at adding somebody, sort of this year's version of Whit Merrifield as well, somebody that you can find a spot for. Uh, Dalton Varsho, I, you know, I I think at, at this. At this stage, you almost have to look at Dalton Varsho and say, you know what, great defender, but he's not giving me enough offensively. Maybe he's not an everyday player for me right now. If I want to, if I want to have success in the postseason, maybe he's not an everyday player for me. Maybe I can get somebody who can upgrade offensively and not be a complete mess defensively. I think you have to look at that. I also think you Jeff, really have sorry, to. Sorry, Jeff, let me just jump in on that. The idea of Varsho, do you think there would be hesitancy to do that just because that was one of the bigger moves they made this offseason? I mean, they gave up Moreno nah. and a guy. You don't think there'd be hesitancy on their part because nah. of that? 
I think Ross Atkins will lose his job if they don't go to the playoffs. So I don't think if <laughs> from Ross Atkins' point of view, uh, you know, from in point of view of a survival, uh, being in survival mode, I don't think that matters. And I don't know about you guys, if the Jays go to the playoffs, win a playoff series, or go to the, you know, the AL championship or whatever, anybody going to care that Dalton Varsho isn't in the lineup every day? Mm-mm. I don't nope. think so. And I think Dalton Varsho, the other thing you have to keep in mind is one of the reasons the Jays acquired Dalton Varsho is they have control of him for five years. So maybe he's not your everyday guy this year. That doesn't mean he can't be your everyday guy next year. You know, think back to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. when he first came here. We didn't know what the hell to do with him. I mean, they, they sent him down to AAA. You know, Jays fans, I, I know Jays fans like, like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. because how colorful he was and how much fun he had when he played the game and all that all that good stuff, but they got to think back. There was a time where they booed Lourdes Gurriel Jr. They didn't want to see him. He was not a very good player. So I think there's a chance that that can happen with Varsho. And, and again, Varsho's got a spot in this team this year. He's certainly a terrific defender, and he certainly knows his way around the bases, and you'd still take your shot with him maybe late in, in, in a late inning uh, against a right-handed bat. But, you know, this kind of gets back to another thing we really don't know about the Blue Jays, and that is how much money are they willing to spend this year? They're up against the luxury tax right now. And there's two ways of thinking about this. One, they're up against the luxury tax and they don't have any more money to spend. Or two, well, you're already up against the luxury tax. You're probably going to be paying into it. When you add a player in August, you're not picking up the full contract. You're picking up two months of the contract. So... Uh, you know, a guy who's making $10 million a year, you're actually probably only paying $4 million towards that. And the other thing that I think is a factor here with the Jays, and they've been very good at disguising this, but they may also be in a position where they can pick up a bad contract to get a good player. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying you would go up and pick up an Anthony Rendon type of a contract, but if if, if there's a team out there that wants to get rid of somebody who's making four and a half million for the rest of the year because they just don't have, or that's bad. Let's say making $10 million for the rest of the year. And and they just, they want to get rid of that player. They've got no use for him. Uh, He may be walking as a free agent, whatever. You can go to that team and say, all right, we'll take on your bad contract, but we want, give us this, give us this. And maybe we'll give you this to, to balance it out a bit. So that's the thing we really don't know. Um, with the Blue Jays right now. But, I mean, look, if I can get a hitter that takes at-bats away from Brandon Belt, that uh, maybe platoons with Dalton Varsho or is a better offensive player than Dalton Varsho, I've got to look at those guys. And also, I don't know about you. Uh, I mean, Alejandro Kirk, to me, has basically played his way. It's not that he's played his way out of consideration right now, but basically... Given where Alejandro Kirk is right now, you'll get the at-bats that I think you deserve. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've gone beyond the point where Alejandro Kirk, quote-unquote, deserves any consideration. No, he doesn't deserve any consideration. Yeah. So there are ways you can make this team better. Uh, and again, that doesn't mean you have to go out and... I'm not saying you go out and get Shohei Otani. Uh, maybe an Adam Duvall type of a guy. And I'm not saying Adam Duvall directly, but but that type of an ad, right? You look at what the Braves did. They got what they get. They brought Rosario. They brought all, all these guys in. Jock Peterson. 
yeah, that we're kind of, sort of, you know, yeah, okay, well, yeah, they're major league, that's kind of okay, and you still kind of scratch your head, and geez, Alex is, Alex is going to have like a 45-man or a 40-man active roster by the time this is done, and you manage to make it work. Um, whose bat concerns you more, Jeff? Is it Dalton Varsho or is it Alejandro Kirk? Kirk, yeah, uh, because he doesn't give me anything. He doesn't give me anything if he doesn't hit. Yeah, I mean he's he's okay defensively. Um, I mean I'm sure the analytics show that he's better than Danny Jansen. That's fine. Who'd you rather have behind the plate? Yeah. Um, I, I just you know he's a contact hitter who when he makes contact I mean hits singles and when he hits singles he's you know Taylor made double play waiting to happen. Uh, Dalton Varsho. Dalton Varshow may not get a hit the rest of the year, but he's pretty much if, – if if there's two out in the ninth inning in a big game and the ball's being hit into the gap, I'm okay with him and Kiermaier out there. Somebody's going to get that ball. Uh, so Varshow's bat concerns me, but not to the point that uh, that Kirk's bat does. And, and you know, couple that with the fact that – God love Danny Jansen, but we know that Danny Jansen's probably going to sustain some sort of injury at some point in the second half. Maybe not a major one, but you know, there's there's a chance that that he may wear down. There's a chance he may get hurt. I mean, they need they need more cover back there. Yeah, they do. I mean, uh, you know, I've I've been somebody who uh, you know I was a little wondering what Kirk was even halfway through last season. So you know, the answer's got to be somewhere uh, in the middle. I don't think he's he's necessarily as bad as he's been this year. But to your point, he's just not giving you anything else. But it does kind of confound the issue just a little bit because there always seem to be one or two guys on the staff he clicks well with. I mean, we go back to Robbie Ray. That was a great partnership for them. We know how much Manoa likes working with him. How much do you think that plays into it as well? And, and and also just the idea of kind of asset allocation, you know, with given what you what, how we all feel about Danny Jansen. I don't know that you want to necessarily spend your bullets on a guy who is going to become the new backup catcher. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about the whole um, sort of private catcher thing. I mean, clearly there's some numbers with uh, with Kirk that would suggest you, 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 that that he get he matches up well with with a couple of their pitchers and you know if you're looking for an edge in the game especially when the team for a team that wasn't hitting a great deal and a team that is reliant on its offense you're probably going to play that edge but at the same time you do get to a certain point where that's only worth so much and you know I, I know from my point of view you're almost at the point with Alejandro Kirk where if the pitcher that he matches up with is out of the game then he's out of the game uh, again he just we saw this move. I think it was the start before the All Star break, where uh, where uh, Danny Jansen was. Did Danny Jansen catch Alec Manoa? He may have caught Alec Manoa when he came back, and whatever. Anyhow, the the start Jansen made it was a start instead of Kirk, and John Schneider said, "Well, it's because of the bat. We need that bat in the lineup." And you know the ERA numbers, the the matchups, and everything are nice. But if Danny Jansen's hitting, Danny Jansen probably deserves to be in the lineup. And you figure out the pitching catching thing. Uh, yeah, I mean you you leave it to them to figure that out. And, and hey, look with pitch common with two dudes having control of pitch selection, you'd think somebody you'd think they'd be able to work it out. I mean, it's not it's not like. There's nothing telepathic going on here, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. And Danny did start the last game before the before the All Star break. Um, I gotta ask, what do you expect from 
Manoa tomorrow night because I'm just you could tell me 17 Ooh. different outcomes and I would believe them all, Jeff. I'm just so fascinated. How about 18 different outcomes. Yes, I, I have no I idea. Have no idea. Yeah, same. And, and plus, she's facing the Padres. So, a little different you know I mean? than uh, the Tigers. Yeah, uh, although the Padres are they're not they're not playing their well they haven't been playing their best baseball most of the year. <clears throat> Pardon me, I don't know what to expect from them. I'm hoping that I get. Uh, what I can expect from my fifth starter, because for me, that's what Alec Manoa is right now. He's my he's my fifth starter, and until he shows me that he's back to being the guy he was last year, that that's where he is. He'll you know if he's scuffling in the fourth inning, he's out. Um, if he's uh, giving me what I need in the fifth inning, then I'll I'll let him go batter to batter. But beyond that. And I think this is the approach the Jays are taking. Beyond that, you've got no expectations. Just win the game is is basically your expectation with Alec Manoa there. I don't think you're interested in artistic merit points or anything at this at this point in time. Uh, you'll take whatever he gives you, and uh, and and take the win. But you know, I think all, all you need to know about what the Jays' mindset is is look at the way they handled Issei Kikuchi yesterday. Uh, you know, the third time through is a thing, and I think the third time through for Alec Manoa is going to be a thing until he shows the team that, um, you know, that he's capable of being the guy he was last year. And I don't pretend to know how that situation presents itself in a pennant race, right? I don't know. I, I tend to think that, as my friend Barker would say, a game where you get the lead early and he has a quick second or third inning and is efficient, that may be the game where if you're John Schneider and Pete Walker, you look at each other and say, okay, tonight's the night he goes. We we give him the long leash. Let's see what he does with it. And if he makes a success of that, then you store that away and you give him an opportunity to do it again the next time. But I'm honestly not that concerned about Alec Manoa right now. I, I mean, my biggest concern with the pitching would be Kevin Gossman's uh, side issue m- more than Alec Manoa because uh, Alec Manoa is the fifth guy right now. He's probably the guy that I trust of my five starters. He's the guy that I trust least. And he's you know, he's got to change that narrative. But right now, that's where it is. Yeah, you mentioned Gossman there. Does it I think the answer to this is no, just given the off day and the all-star break, but does it tell us anything that they're just outright skipping him as opposed to just pushing him back a, a day or two after after he got scratched? Do you think? Should we read anything Abs- into that? Yeah, that, that indicates to me that it's more serious than than they have been letting on. Um, I think Shy said yesterday, yesterday was a normal side session day. He didn't throw. Um, Don't like that. No, hey, you know, he's, uh, I mean, one of the reasons that the Jays bought Alec Manoa back, and we know this, that one of the reasons they brought him back was the other pitchers essentially said, hey, you know, this, this four-man rotation thing kind of sucks. <laughs> you know, our routines are... Working uh, more? Are, I could never relate. I would not, yeah, I always our, want to work more, Blair. Our, our routines are kind of messed up here, and, you know, it's really not our fault that, you know, you guys invested in Zach Thompson and Drew Hutchinson's and Thomas Hatch down in, in trips. So not our fault you guys didn't do your job. Basically, get his ass back here. And, um, you know, that... that um, so there were clearly some concerns about workload there. And we know that Kevin Gossman is a much better pitcher in extra rest. Uh, but again, Hyunjin Ryu is going to come back. And, and, 
you know, if, if Hyunjin Ryu can give me five innings, and I'm just saying this five innings a lot, if he can give me five innings at the start, I'm happy. I should be able to make this work if I'm the Blue Jays. But, yeah, it, it's a concern that instead of just pushing Gossman back a day, uh, they're skipping... You know they're skipping the entire start. Yeah, that that that's that's not good at any time. It's especially not good wrapped around a seven seven or five day All Star break. So one quick non Jays one for you, Jeff. Before you go, what's your uh, what's your read? Your thoughts on the Otani thing? Like, are they going to trade him? Where are they going to trade him? This is going to be a really fun one to watch before the deadline. I have to tell you that um, I have no idea if, if it's me. I don't trade him because you're never going to get anything in return for him. Part of me also thinks that if you're the Angels, you've got to have a pretty good idea whether or not this guy is going to sign by now. Like you've you've basically been the only team that can talk to him for, what, five or six years. Yeah. If you think you have a shot, then maybe you go to him and you say, look, we're going to do an Aroldis Chapman thing here. We're going to trade you, and then we're going to go after you as a free agent. So we want you to know that we're not trading you out of you know anger or anything like that. Um, we think we can make the team better. If we make the team better, that would probably make us more attractive to you, and then we'll go after you in the free agent market. So if the Angels could do that, then I think you have to consider that. Yeah. If you can get something for Otani, if you can get two or three pieces for Otani, and you're not going to get what the Nationals got for Soto because Otani's – Otani doesn't have that much control left for the acquiring team. But if you can get a couple of guys that make you better or replenish your farm system and you think you've got a shot at this guy in the offseason, because for the Angels, it's very simple. All the Angels have to do if they want to re-sign Shohei Otani is see what the Los Angeles Dodgers offer is and push it up by a million. Yeah. <laughs> and you can do that. You can do that with him on your roster in September. You can do it with him and somebody else's team in September. So there are a couple of things at, at, at work here, but um, yeah, I, it, I mean, it's tough. Like I, you, the, the best player, I mean, the most unique player of his generation, how do you value him? Like what is even, even for two months, if you were to make that trade, what's fair value for a guy who impossible is to ace, figure it out. It's never happened. This has no, never happened. Exactly. Uh, and I guess maybe if you're the Angels, you can say, well, looking at it this way, no one can ever criticize us because we can just shrug and go, okay, would you guys have done better? I mean, I, I don't know. What were we to do here? <laughs> What'd they get for Babe Ruth? I don't know. Like, it's sold exactly. 125 grand. I think it's going to be a little more than that. Um, yeah, just a little more. Just a hunch. I don't know. Maybe we could pass around the hat. Uh, something tells me they did that once at the ballpark. Uh, what is it? Irvin Santana? <laughs> they do it for Santana. They surely do it for Shohei. Uh, Blair, thank you so much, Thanks, man. Buddy. Thanks, Always boys. Love be you well. Up. There he Pleasure. is. Thank Jeff you. Blair. You hear him all the time. Blair and Barker. My favorite show. They got the, the, my favorite show on the radio. Sorry, all the other shows. Great stuff. But I listen to Blair and Barker every single day. It's my favorite show. I se- love it. Second favorite for me. To, what, after what? Real Kipper and Board. Oh, oh come on. Well, you I'm know. involved in yeah, that. No, but I'm, you know me. I'm just I can't a, vote for myself. Just a big old, big old leaf head. Yeah, I'm just yeah. like, oh, I just love my leaf stock. No, Blair and Barker <laughs> not are. To, not to like, you know, blow too much smoke up there behind here. Oh, okay. But, uh, it's just, you know, the, the mix of those two guys. It's pretty I, good. It's, it's electric radio. Cranky Blair. No one has to. No one has to. Yeah, people listening to us right now, they're like, "Can you put it on now?" Yeah. What if? What? What was it? Just fire up the pod from yesterday, Sam. Man, we don't need Ob that bad. Uh, no. In terms of what what Blair was saying there, I am. Uh, I, I was long in the camp of. Oh, what are we talking about here? Just trade him. You're not going to make the playoffs. Just why don't you go get 
uh, all the finest meats and cheeses from somebody else. Uh, pass around the hat. I bet they throw in a fig in there. It's he's, he's so nice to have. But I do understand the idea if you can resign him. Obviously, that changes things. And I forget who it was. Maybe it was Morosi who put this on us. And it's not going to be for one prospect. Obviously, there's going to be many. But there is going to be a crown jewel of the Shohei trade. Whoever, whatever team it is, there's going to be some prospect that comes in and Arnie the Angels fan is going to read it, come across Twitter and go, all right, that's the guy. He's got to be as good as Shohei or the trade sucks. And there is something about not wanting to put that on one player. So I, I do understand it. But then I step back and I say, what if you just got a bunch of really good things for your franchise? That'd probably work out well. But I mean, yeah, you have to be careful about the own rental thing too. Red Sox tried this with John Lester and he never even sniffed going back there. So yeah, you do have to be careful about I that. I think if he has I think if he has any intention of saying you just don't trade him mm-hmm. and you hope. Yes, again. Because exactly. if you have a chance to get him mm-hmm. for the rest of his career yes. as an angel, yes. you just hold on for dear life. But I don't think, you know, Blair mentioned the money thing there. Mm-hmm. You you up, up the Dodgers. I think there's a bit of a difference in terms of it's the Dodgers yes. versus it's the Angels. Yeah. Like the size of the star he is right now is hard to fathom. He it is, really is. He is one of the most, he's a wonder of the world. He's one of the biggest stars on planet earth in any sport. But can you imagine where that would go to if he was on the Dodgers? Yeah. Like it's another An actual level, sexy it's team. another level of fandom. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but I I'm leaning towards them not trading him because I just think the deadline's too big and they're going to maybe resign him in the off season, but uh, losing him for nothing is also going to sting. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do love the idea of him being in America and going, God, it's so easy. I'm, do you know how big I am in Japan? Like oh when he God, goes yeah. to America, he's just a guy walking around. It's, oh, a, it's as, truly incredible. When I was at the Jays game the other on Saturday, yep. I saw a guy wearing the Japan Otani jersey. Maybe was it was that our the guy, guy on our text line. Who knows? <laughs> uh, can we do a quick, quick, quick game of bullpen trust tree, or would you like to save that for uh, for after OB? We'll do it after OB. Okay, we'll do that. Uh, Shane O'Brien going to join us next. Maybe where does he rank in the Mitch, bullpen? I was going to say Mitch White. Uh, yeah. Got a spoiler for you. He does. Yeah. Not high. No, not high. Not high. Uh, Shane O'Brien may be above Mitch White on the packing order. Throughout the first pitch of the Jays game. Talk to him about that. He's a, he's an Ontario boy. You know, he's got some Jays thoughts and uh, what's going on in the NHL. Spoiler alert. Nothing. We'll talk to OB about that. when we continue fan morning show with Gutting McKee on Sportsnet 590. The fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan morning show. Final segment here. I was about to say we did it, but we still have four more days of show, so maybe we will not have an early celebration. Very, very pleased to be joined by our final guest of the day. Save the best for last, pal. Shane O'Brien, Missing Curfew Pod. Obi, how's it going, bud? Uh, fellas, how we doing? Doing great. Well, I'm going to ask you. You know, Jay's uh, trade deadline's coming up. I heard they got a new bullpen arm. They wheeled him <laughs> out. He was wearing a Matt Chapman Hawaiian shirt. How'd you fare, pal? Yeah, I'll tell you what, boys. This is probably comes as no surprise to you guys. I got in Friday night, uh, went to a nice dinner with my boy Travis, gave myself uh, a 2 a.m. curfew, and let's just say I missed it by a couple hours. So I, was, uh, <laughs> I was still a little hungover. Uh, I got to be honest with my boy. My boy Chappie, what a pro. I was like, fella, get out here. I got I to warm up a little bit. They had me they had me throw a couple to ace the mascot. I'm like, that's not exactly airing it out. And Chappie's like, I got a few more things I got to do before the game. 
threw a couple of chops. Let's just say I wasn't exactly as warmed up as I like to be, but uh, Jays fans were great to me. Uh, I got to meet some missing curfew fans after the game, fellows, and then uh, went out right out to right field to that bar. What an experience it is out there. Oh, yeah. The bar, the, the new dome is hot, Obi. Like, the way it is, they set it up. Like, they, it feels like it's a completely different park within the park now. It's crazy, eh? Yeah, it's great. And, you know, I was, I was a little disappointed the dome was closed, boys. I because know. I wanted, to wear, I wanted to wear my shades out there. Um, <laughs> you know, c- couldn't do that. So I was upset about that. But you're right. The outfield experience is unbelievable. Uh, they're going to redo the lower bowl, which will be great. And listen, as a Jays fan, the boys are playing great right now. Uh, spoke to Chappie after the game. He said, you know, they got some good mojo going on in that clubhouse right now. So we're in for an exciting second half, I think, Pauls. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm proud of you for just getting out of a suite. You know, big fancy guy like yourself, yeah, huh? yeah. just messing around <laughs> with the regular people like us. I'm just so proud of you. Uh, tell us a bit. Obviously, you know Chapman. I know he was on your guys' pod. Uh, is that just how it got started? You're a Jays fan. Like, how do you, uh, how do you two know each other? Yeah, so um, the lockout in 2012, I believe it was, right? That was the last time that Gary locked the boys out in. Uh, Sounds right. Chappie was, yeah, Chappie was spending his summer, um, or his winter, so to speak, in, in California. And uh, I obviously had a lot of free time, um, you know, so we both kind of have the same schedule. Yeah, exactly. I got to work it out in the morning, and then, you know, he'd be done. And uh, we just became buddies through, through one of my good friends, PJ. So Chappie, great guy. Uh, as you can tell, California dude, super chill. Uh, but but what a pro, man. I mean, he takes, takes a lot of pride in his game. Uh, I know he loves being a Blue Jay. I know he loves the city of Toronto. But uh, we've got some fun times he's going to meet him in California. Would you, how nervous were you doing the first pitch? That's a lot of people out there. Like, yeah. I, I was, you don't want to be, because there's so, if there's one ceremonial thing in all of sports that has, like, the worst highlights, yes. it's the first pitch. Like, totally. like, you know, you think about people bouncing it. You think of the guy behind the plate that got hit in the you-know-what by a stray pitch. Like, yeah. it's a wild highlight for some people. So you just got to make sure you don't embarrass yourself. And you did all right, okay? Was, but you were nervous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. The first pitch is like, a, it's almost like a, I don't know if lose-lose situation is the right term, but there's a lot of, there's a lot at stake. Yeah. There's a lot at stake. Uh, listen, I have my baby blue Chapman jersey that matched my shorts to what I wanted to wear. That she's like, oh, you got to wear the shirt that Chapman designed. I said, okay. <laughs> and then the next thing she st- the next thing she said was, whatever you do, don't go to the rubber because you'll get me in so much trouble. Like that's the one rule. And, and I had my buddies like all over. Like you got to go to the rubber. I'm like, boys, I'm I'm an old washed up I'm an old washed up defenseman. My right shoulder's jammed. I haven't thrown a baseball. Um, so I went to the front of the rubber. And like I said, I just wasn't warmed up as much as I wanted to. Mm. So I, I got to be honest, boys. I threw the old, uh, I threw the old changeup, and then before the game, Matt Chapman texted me. He's like, "How's the arm feeling?" And I sent him a picture of, I sent him a picture of uh, Ed Harris from Major League. Remember old Ed Harris? Up <laughs> <laughs> on the ball, I sent him a picture of Ed Harris. <laughs> That's awesome. You gave him the old Marco Estrada changeup. So I think what yeah, they need exactly. to do, exactly. I think what they need to do is they need to let you throw the first pitch. And then they need to give you an option for a do-over after the first or second inning. Like, go, you got it out of your system, give you a do-over. Yeah. Uh, I I, uh, I love that. You know, uh, obviously, you guys shut down the pod or you've gone to just once a week now for, for the summer, I believe. We are in that time of the hockey season. I mean, we still got a Matthews contract we need to get signed. Nylander's up for one as well. <laughs> it is just crazy how it goes from flurry of signing after signing, trade after trade to deathly quiet in the summer now. And uh, I got to be honest, I'll be like, we need just a touch of news. We don't need Anything. a lot, just a little touch of something. 
Yeah, I hear you. This is uh, this is the dog dog days for the media. For as an ex player, these are the great times, right? July, July oh, is yeah. working out. Although these guys, these kids skate now, they're already out there skating. I seen Matthews out there like two weeks ago. I'm like, dude, if I if I was Matthews, I'd be over in like Croatia or something right now. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, listen, I, I think Brad, listen, I I'll be honest with you, boys. When Brad took the job. I didn't really agree with it. I thought after everything we just went through in Calgary with, with Johnny and, you know, I thought Maddie Kachuk was great with him, but everything he went through there to come in here and have to put, you know, deal with Matthew's contract right away. And now Nylander, I think Brad's done a jo- nice job of, of, of not panicking. Um, we all know that Matthews has a no move clause now, which in my opinion is not perfect. Uh, but I mean, if you're a Nylander, I guess you're waiting to see what happens with Matthews. But I, I, I do think now, you know, two months ago, I didn't think they're going to get Matthew signed. I, I do think he will sign. And then Nylander, to me, is, is, is Brad's biggest piece, right? What does he do with him? Can he, can he get a top defenseman for him? We'll, we'll see what happens. But credit to Brad. I think he's done a nice job so far, but he's right into a pressure cooker again. So you like the, the moves he made on, on the free agency day there with uh, Bertuzzi and Domi and Reeves? You're a fan of those? I love it. I love yeah, it. I me mean, too. they're hard to play against. Uh, you know what? Listen, Rebo doesn't. Rebo doesn't have to play all 82. He probably doesn't even want to play all 82, right? Like, and then when it comes playoff time, uh, you know, you, you bring him in and out of the lineup. But listen, he, he, he Rebo can still get on the four check. He can still finish the body. Uh, and then if something does happen to one of the big boys over the bench, he can come. Uh, love Max Domi. I wanted to pick up Max Domi last year at the deadline. They Same. didn't. He went to Dallas. Had a great playoff. Uh, Bertuzzi. He's going to go to the blue paint. He's going to get in front of the net. And listen, Klingberg. You know, some people don't like it. I think you put him with Morgan Riley right away. There's Morgan Riley, a right-hand defensive that can move the puck. Do I love Klingberg in his D zone? No, I don't. But I just think him and Morgan Riley, the way they move the puck, the way they skate, they can hinge underneath each other. Uh, I do think Klingberg's going to surprise some people. Yeah, they have a lot of different options. Uh, I'll be honest, me and me and Sam McKee both just grabbed the desk, pacing for what could happen if Riley event, and if Riley there. and Klingberg were on the ice at the same time. A lot of good can happen. You know, we don't we don't need to talk about what could go on the other side. But we have we have said uh, there there can be no more Morgan Riley slander in Toronto after the uh, after the playoffs. He had a lot of people had to uh, had to walk back a lot of what they had to say after after the playoffs. He he had there you know just picking up on on Revo what a guy like that can mean because you know the Leafs have the Leafs have tried this right like Wayne Simmons has been poking around Kyle Clifford has been a guy but there's only one heavyweight champ in the league and there have been different guys at different times but until somebody beats him Reeves Reeves at least got a hand on the belt what does it do for a team having not an enforcer who can fight but the enforcer in the league like does we always hear the cliches of guys feel five feet taller but what does it do for a player yeah, that, that's exactly it. And, and, you know, obviously my era is different than it was now, but my rookie year, you know, the Ducks went on to win the Stanley Cup. We had George Peros, Sean Thornton, Travis Mullen, myself, Sean Murderers row. Chris Carter. <laughs> Bunch <Yeah>. of butchers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what, what, what do you want to play tonight, boys? you want to play her up tempo? We got a table and the boys up front, or do you want to play her, you know, in the parking lot? We can do that. So I'll, obviously the game is completely different. And listen, fighting, whatever. But physicality to me, God, I hope, has never gone from this game. And when you have a guy like Ryan Reeves out there, that, like I said, to get on the four check and still, you know, intimidate defense, and that's great. And then he's going to bring a swag off the ice that's going to be great. And I also think he's going to help with the media in Toronto. I, I think if some stuff are said this year that Reeves has no problem going in front of that microphone and letting the media have it, and I think that's going to help Matthews and Marner and these boys handle 
the adversity throughout the season or the adversity that they will face come playoff time. I, I think Reeve will be huge with the media and in the dressing room. So you mentioned Reeves in the media there, and in his introductory press conference, he mentioned how he had heard that the Leafs room was a quiet room. And as an ex-player who's been in a ton of different rooms, you've been in a lot of different stops, Obi, what do you think when you hear that a room is quiet? It can't, it's, it, it's not a good thing, is it? No, it's a terrible thing. It makes you want to get in there and start, you know, mucking it up with the boys. Yeah. But it's funny you say that. There, there's, there, was a, there was a clip that Princey found from Mr. Curfew's social media where Stoli was doing the development camp of the Kings, and he comes on the bench, and the first thing he says is, a little quiet here today, boys. Like, yeah. So I just think I just think that the it's changed a little bit, but but I'm a big believer in you got to have some guys in there. I'm sure there were some days where the boys were like, "Oh, shut up, like, yeah. you know." But you got to come in there, you got to say good morning, how are you, what did you have for dinner, where'd you go last night, what movie did you see, how's things, you know, is your girlfriend mad at you or anything? Just you got to have some chatter in there, and Remo's going to bring that to a team that listen. There's still pressure on the Leafs. See, we all know they got by Tampa. In my opinion, did they deserve to beat him? I didn't think they did, but there's still pressure on these kids, and I think Reva will help with that. Yeah, just just so you know, uh, the wife always at least a little bit mad at me, uh, but we'll yeah, leave that always, we'll leave that there. Yeah. Just just a little bit standing anger. Yeah, just standing <laughs> anger. Like I haven't done anything yet today. It's looming. It's, I haven't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ob, always love getting you on. Thanks, go brother. go enjoy the summer and uh, get training with Chappie, so you can yeah. dot one again by the yeah. time the uh, this season's over. All right, boys, I appreciate it. Always fun with you, boys. There he goes. Uh, Shane O'Brien, former NHL defenseman. Love our pal Obi missing curfew pod. I hated the quiet room thing. Yeah. But it was very damning. It is. We talked about that with Kipper and Bourne before the last, I think maybe on the last show or the second last show. Okay. I think it's going to be, like Obi mentioned there, he's like, I'm sure there's some days where the guy's like, please shut up. For sure. Right? And, you know, there's no matter what walk of life you're in, and with the high energy guy, especially me, first thing when I walk I'm in here this say, morning. You don't, you want to, you want to, you, you, you wish I would not even talk for the first five minutes yeah. of the show. I wish we was like, go to the show at 6 30 tomorrow. Um, I, I think you do have to find the line. Totally. Right? And I do think that there's going to be some people that it might rub the wrong way, Mm -hmm. regardless of how, you know, I think Marner's been on the record saying how much he's loved the signings in the offseason. He talked about it with with Justin and Ailish last week. That's right. I I just, you got to be careful, is what I'm saying to Reeves. Totally. Because quiet room usually I'll let you say it, but I agree. No, I I wouldn't say to his face. (laughs) Keep going, Mr. Reeves. (laughs) Way to go, buddy. Yell at them. You know what? Yell at me a little, too. I think... Ultimately, it's a good thing for sure because, you know, getting people outside their comfort zone leads to good things like your trip to Alberta outside yeah. the comfort very, zone, very I, far out. And you very the, outside. And you had the time of your life. I did. I so time. it's, it's, you know, at first it may drive them nuts, but you're going to stand a little taller yep. regardless. You have a tough guy on your team. You have a guy on your team you want to go to war with. That's going to add to your just, you're just going to feel better. You're going to play better. You're going to be bigger. So it's going to be really funny this year to see. Reeves in the media, how the guys talk about Reeves, trying to get the guys feeling better. Like, that's going to be a huge part of his role, and I'm really interested to see how he plays it. There's nothing I would love more than just truth serum perspective of Austin Matthews' opinion of that signing. Because mm-hmm. I think two things are true. I think if you ask him his opinion, he will tell you what he does believe, that, yeah, it's great, he's a tough guy, great mm-hmm. to have him on the team, mm-hmm. heard great stories across the league. But, you know, just think about Austin Matthews' like kind of hockey career. 
you grew up in the U.S. development program. He went over to Switzerland. I don't know how many Ryan Reeves he's interacting with in terms of the butchers who are doing this, and that's their whole personality. I don't know how much he's interacting with that. Because yeah, he's a, Reeves is a different animal he's than any of the top guys completely different beast, yeah. Like, I guess Simmons came in, but he's more his reputation was more of like a scoring touch yes. guy who is tough as yeah. well. But then he ended up being the heavyweight guy. Yeah. Who fought, he fought literally all the toughest guys. You don't need to walk me down the road of him not getting to fight Corey Perry. It's the <laughs> thing I'm most upset about in the world. This, I, I, know, I know, I know. Anyways, uh, he every fight he went into, I was like, ooh, I don't know about this one. Bang, 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 bang. bang. Hand is alone. Like, yeah. uh, what's the, the kid on the Habs? Oh, uh, oh, right. I thought you were going Jack Eye, but yes, so Pizzetta as well. He fought Pizzetta. Yeah. I was like, oh, Pizzetta's young and tough. Bang, bang, down on the ground immediately. I'm like, oh my God. There's never been a guy who's looked more like a greasy rat than Pizzetta. <laughs> uh, Montreal, a guy with an orange curly mullet playing for the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> I loved this year when he scored a shootout winner against the Savers. Yeah. And he rode the stick. It was so good. <laughs> oh, oh, I like my favorite Habs mode of all time. Yes, actually. <laughs> the greatest, the great, uh, the two for them, the two greatest moments were, uh, uh, who was it? Ryan Paling's hat trick uh, in the last game of the season against and the, the Leafs. And the shootout winner. And the shootout winner. Uh, and Pazetta riding the stick after scoring the shootout winner. I did thoroughly enjoy that. And the other thing with it is they've tried the personality thing. I think that's the that's the wrinkle of this with Reeves that's a little different, right? Obviously, is that they tried Marlowe, super serious. We know what John Tavares is. They tried mm-hmm. Joe Thornton of Mr. Nothing's ever serious. Nothing ever matters. And they just haven't been able to find the right kind of pH balance. And that's why so much of it just goes to, okay, but what are the personalities of the guys who actually matter? You wow. can try to paper on everything you want, but what are the personalities of the guys who truly drive the bus of this team? Talk about being a fly on the wall. My dream scenario is seeing Ryan Reeves try to convince John Tavares to go out on a night. Because he's like, <laughs> I get all the boys out together. Oh, yeah. I, that's my thing. I'm the party planner. I get all the boys together. They'd be like, John, you got to come to well, Ryan, it's a tremendous honor to get that invite, but I don't think I'm going to be able to do that tonight. I'm going to home to my family, he and I'm going such, to go home and have a kale smoothie. He is such it's a such health a, nut. It's such a tremendous honor, but I can't do it tonight. He brings his own avocado oil on the road because the team one isn't like what the Leafs are just trans fat central with their avocado oil. That is the level. The, avoc- the price of avocado oil is too damn high. It really is. Not in John Tavares' world because no. he makes 11 sheets <laughs> and because anything he to buys gain. He a flat of that at anything, anything to get just one drop of edge. But yeah, I would like to see that. Ryan Reeves convincing uh, John Tavares to, uh, to go up. <laughs> yeah. I would very much like to see that. You know, it, it matters, though. It does. Team building, going totally. out together matters. Man, it, we we talk about it. You know, everybody's jobs are a little different. The best shows I've ever been a part of, mm-hmm. the ones I do, are with people you get along yes. with and you can barb. Yes. And we can... You, what did you tell me the other day mm. about how important it is to have a few people in life you can have it... Yeah, can have it out yes. with. Have a good... Yes. Just... Yes. Ah, yeah. Good little screaming match. It's all important, okay? And the Leafs... Injecting that, very, very here for it. Yeah. Uh, would you like to end today's show mm. with a brief uh, edition of Blue Jays' trust oh, yes. tree for the let me, relievers? Let me pull it. Oh, you got the names in front of you? Uh, I'll, I'll pull it up. Okay, so really the big thing we're, we're looking at here is is what happened regarding Romano and his, avail- or his lack of availability this weekend. Mm. So we'll start at the top. Not just him as a guy, but him being forced into the closer's role because Jordan Romano is hurt. How do you feel about Eric Swanson? You trust him in that role specifically? Um, it's a little harder. I know if it's no, binary do. trust, don't do. trust. I do. I'm with you as well. I think he can figure it out. I yep. really do. He's. I mean, he's got good enough stuff. That yep. splitter plays. It does. Yeah. Okay, so we're good with Romano. Yeah. We are good with Swanson. Mm-hmm. 
the guy who comes out to a love ballad, and oh it's always a little touchy. God, it's so loving. It really is. Passionate song. Maybe he's trying to lull the batter into like a stasis or something. How no. feel you? No, <laughs> just don't trust do him. Okay, I was I was very sketched out by the uh, the ch- him coming into the game. It shook me to my core. <laughs> I was hoping for that. I forget the name of the song that Romano comes into. It's not Sandstorm, but it's a one. Yeah. It's like, the, I forget the it's name a, of the song. It's a closer's entrance yeah. music. With the lights the and everything. So excited. And it's Jimmy. <laughs> the emotional love song. I was like, no, no. I do not trust Jimmy. Okay. Uh, quickly. We did this one last week. Mm. I don't think much would have changed for you. Mm. Tim Mesa. No. No? No? Just can't do it? Okay. I'm I, gonna... I, I, I should. Like, what's the right answer and what do you Anecdotally, feel are different yes, things? correct. Yeah. Okay. Bingo. Couldn't have said it better myself. Okay. Uh going to throw you a curveball here. Mm. Ooh. You haven't got to see him pitch yet, but is he already in the trust tree? Chad Green. No. No? No, I need to see oh, a couple. Oh, I thought for no. sure I, I was getting couple. you to put him in there. You've been, you have been talking about him like he's Sandy Koufax, uh, waiting to join this, uh, this Jays bullpen. So I'm, I'm curious. I thought I was going to get you uh, to put him in the trust tree, having not thrown no. a single pitch. Okay, another guy who's hurt right now, but you actually have in the past seen a pitch for the Blue Jays. Mm. Adam Simber. No. No. Okay. Nate Pearson. Yes. Super. Yeah. Where is he? Is he between Romano and Swanson or below Swanson? If I had my my druthers here, Mm -hmm. I would have liked to see him get one of the chances to close the game. For sure. I think I think his stuff has been electric. You watching him pitch live. He is nasty. Nasty. Guy wants to and throw hard and raise barns, and th- he's all I out think, of barns. I think I think it's impressive that he has transitioned to this role so well. I just I, it works for him. It I does. don't think he's ever going to be a starter for this team. No, no. I no. think he's now to the point where he can be this multi-inning weapon that every team has. Yep. How many often every do I have good team? How often do I have this conversation with you? And I'm like, I watch a Dodgers game late at night, and every guy comes Unit. out 100 mile an hour yep. with a slide piece. It's yep. like the Jays finally have a guy that does that. And his curveball, yep. the difference in speed out of the exact same arm slot, like watching it mm-hmm. live, you're like, oh my God, that is such a massive difference. And he paints that thing. He can get it over for a strike, and he's got that 100 mile an hour heater. I'm really high on Nate Pearson for the rest of the year, and I think I would like to see him get a chance to close if, like, I think they'll do the. The thing where it's like, you know, he's yeah. still going to work his way up, but I do think he's a guy that could close to them in the future. For me, mm. outside of Romano, he is the Blue Jays reliever I trust the most, even more so than Swanson. I think I'm already there okay. with, with Pearson. The thing about him is that you, I think they're going to keep him away from that closers role yeah. because... Like, this is, I don't know that people use this term, but he's effectively your mid-game closer, yeah. right? If you have a starter who runs into trouble and you have the heart of the order coming up or you've yeah, got some men order, on, you can put him on, you, put him on yeah. you give him his one inning, maybe his two, and then you set up the game for the rest. Like, he is your he is the rally stopper, and that is such an important part in baseball mm-hmm. now because we think of the closer. Yeah. Uh, and then the other guys we didn't mention, uh, I think the answer is yes for one and no for one, Trevor Richards oh, yeah. and Mitch White. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, oh no, no! I was watching that game yesterday. Oh, okay. I, I was put so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> like you really, you can't. You're gonna make them yep. put Swanson into yes, this game, did. and they did. It's like you can't <laughs> get three outs. They, he just could. Nope. Like he had to come out. He did. They pulled him at the right. It's like he had. He comes in. Swanson gets a save. I was so upset. I'm like, but what's his role? If you can't bring him into a was a five run yep. game, there isn't one. Like 
is there another guy down there that can come up and do well, that? Because I, like I don't think I think there is. It, it's going to be the seventh starter they're going to have in the rotation here. It's it or six, yeah, it's right. Hunter Yeah, when Hunter comes up, yeah. yeah, Mitch White's getting an option. Yeah. So that's it. And you're you right. love Re- and how do we feel again having not seen him throw a pitch in basically well, three not, years? You can't put him in the bullpen. He's not a bullpen. No, no, guy. no. But I I would say the trust tree he is. It's not, I'm not hanging him in the trust tree. No. Okay. No. All right. no, he's Good not job. an apple in the trust tree. No, sure. he is not. Uh, very curious to see. I imagine they maybe look to him as basically a bullpen day where he's the yeah. opener and yeah. you see what you get out or of him. Or the bulk guy. Yep. I'm really curious to see what he ends up looking like. I mean, this was a guy who he was seen as the signing that kind of turned everything or at least public perception of the Jays. And then he had one good year, got hurt, and he's mm-hmm. basically never been seen from again. Yeah. So it'd be nice for him to have a, uh, put a little bow on his ending here. Uh, big shout outs to the guys behind the glass. Thanks, fellas. Big shout out to Adam Stanley, who pinch hit for us uh, early on in the show. Jeff Blair and Shane O'Brien also joining us. We will be back with you tomorrow. The Blue Jays off tonight. Back tomorrow. Alec Manoa gets the ball to start up a series against the Padres. My friend and yours, J.D. Bunkus, coming in here next. Keep on listening to Sportsnet 590 The Fan. How important it is to have a few people in life you can have it out with. Have a good just...